1: and McCracken was a company commander, but you start going company, captain, lieutenants, ensigns, sergeants, privates, you're getting the stories of the soldiers that did the actual fighting. And in my opinion, there's nothing more important than that.
0: That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Phil Weaver talking about the mysterious life of New York's first Revolutionary War captain. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by the Camden Archives and Museum, now featuring the interactive exhibit, Turning Points, the Battles of Camden, 1780 and 1781. For more information, visit classicallycarolina.com. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is author and Journal of the American Revolution contributor, Phil Weaver. And he'll be discussing one of New York's first captains. The story that Phil Weaver presents us today is a little bit of a mystery. It's about a man with a life that was not extraordinary in his service, but very important uh, for what he did and what he represented. But maybe even more than that, it's a bit of a, a detective story on Phil Weaver's part. Because he's not a man that has a huge paper trail, but he had a job, again, of some significance. The question is, how do you research a topic that doesn't have materials readily available? Phil Weaver is going to take us through that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Phil Weaver. Phil Weaver, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brady. Good to be back. Tell us about your background.
1: Okay, here we go again. I'll try to change it a little bit. I've done this before. Uh, I have been uh, not on American history since I was a kid, especially the American Civil War. Now, I only dabbled in the Revoir a little bit, but by my college years, I discovered the Bicentennial and then the World of Living History. You know, dressed it up, reenacting, they called it, I don't like to use that term, but anyway, this led uh, this to my interest in doing historical research. And my first nationally published article actually appeared way back in 1979. So initially, my efforts focused on river war living, living in general histories. Uh, but I soon migrated to articles on uniforms, equipment, unit history, soldier stories, etc. Now, in addition to my living history activities, I'm uh, an original member of the West Point chapter of the Company of Military Historians. I've been their chairman, and I was a selected fellow of the company back in 2004. I've been contributing to the JAR you know, since September 2016 and I most recently am credited as the editor and principal author on The Greatest Hits of the Colonial Chronicle, uh, The Red War Collection, which was published in 2016, and the author of The Third New Jersey story, in New York, Stories from the Jersey Grays of 1776, published back in 2020, which you, of course, uh, interviewed me for, for a podcast, and um, the jar reviewed. So, anyway...
0: What first drew your interest into this topic?
1: Well, with my living history experience, obviously, um, when I got into it, I spent a few years knocking around with a few units, during, and I did multi-units, All I did all this thing. And I ended up with the Recreated Second York uh, right about the beginning of 1979. And I started, uh, i had already done some research, but they were doing it and I got into the second because I met some guys that were doing research. So I just went into it with both feet and it kind of became my life's passion. Um and then when I got when I actually saw the graves the grave of the uh all the New Yorkers that were killed with Montgomery, uh in Quebec, I started having the mission of trying to identify those guys and then I went full bore on trying to find all the guys that were in second because the guys that were killed with the first, it was impossible to find them because roster changes and things like this. So then I started, I started just researching the clothing and the movement of the uniforms. I started looking at the men, and this is when things went crazy, you know, in a good way. You know, I went bananas. I found the National Archives, and I got to the pension files, and now we've got fold three, and I'm just kind of going along, and we get more and more stuff all the time. And then I started writing articles for the jar, and it went from there. So this is just another one in that step, just a simple extension.
0: Tell us about the early life of McCracken.
1: Actually, I can't give you much, and that's that was an interesting question, because I didn't really spend a lot of time tracking all that down uh, because... The sources that I use, there's nothing really on his early life to speak of. Um, there's a, There are some 19th century histories, and I need to go and look at those in detail. But if you know anything about 19th century histories, they're full of folklore and fiction and fact that is all muddled together. Uh, there's actually a story that occurs with uh, McCracken at the Battle of Monmouth, which is not under, covered under here that he was wounded and he was carried across the field by a guy and he was left and they, somebody stole his watch. It's a big convoy story and the society of Cincinnati runs with it in their biography of McCracken. And I bought into it and it's basically poppycock, <laughs> but this is the kind of stuff you're reading. So I need to get more on that uh, to do more research into McCracken. But I do know uh from what I can tell, McCracken was a leading citizen in the town of Salem, which is in uh, then known as Charlotte County. It's south-southeast of Lake George, and just before you get to the present-day Vermont border. And uh, he was the typical for the period. Um, He was his one of the many people in New York who end up being plucked out of obscurity and at the start of a revolution. They're leading citizens. They get on the local... He was on the local committee of safety. And then he uh, um, writes for information, gets involved with the political thing. But shortly after that, he gets sucked into forming a company. But let me back up one bit. I want to add a little thing. When you look at these people that get sucked in here in East, this this whole, the war thing because it just takes over the whole, all the colonies. But you have people and I, I'm going to harken back to some of my jar articles. Some of these people that get brought into this, among the officers particularly uh, some excel like McCracken does. Some survive if you remember Joel Pratt he was, it was a constant battle, he survives uh, some endure with a lot of problems like Barrett and then others fail who like Peter Yates who was a as a lieutenant colonel, he was a dismal failure, and he was in the Pratt story. So this is where these guys, uh, this is what happens to these people. So when McCracken comes out, he's, on, he's with the Committee of Safety. He writes a couple of letters and something, and then all of a sudden he's, recruited, he's recruiting a company in, uh, in Charlotte County in, in Salem. And uh, that gets a little more, but that becomes his first command, so uh, how he got that? I don't know. That's the problem. Uh, this is one of the holes in, the, uh, in my research. We don't, there's, nobody seems to know how he decided to get how he got this company organized. There's no government requirement. nobody set out a warrant for him to recruit men. He just seems to have recruited this company. Uh, and as a captain, he took the, the commander of a company as a captain, and he kind of commanded this. And uh, so it's, we don't know, it's very vague. Uh, so there is no known record of any of this anyway. You can't find it. One of his men, James Henderson, who was a, uh, excuse me here, James Henderson, who was a leading part of the narrative of the McCracken article, he makes a reference in his pension file that in Salem, Seth Warner of the Green Mountain Boys was also recruiting in Salem. And but it's not clear, and because Warner gets pulled out to do something else, and then McCracken starts picking up guys there, and it's really kind of vague, and there's really no uh, no detail, and there's no cross reference, and it ultimately doesn't apply to the story, so I kind of left it out. But there's a big gap. What happens in Salem in uh, around April, probably right after Bunker Hill, things started happening. So in uh, McCracken, continue, you know, after after this year is out, this first year, and this is up my through, and is an afterthought, uh, and not an afterthought, a wrong word, uh, an after mention, because it refers back to what happened in '75. McCracken, after the year, is trying to get these men for this company paid for that time they were enlisted as basically a volunteer company. It appears to when he became when they got migrated into the Second New York, or they got merged into. And in that time, he's trying to get these guys paid, and nobody apparently was going to pay him. Charlotte County hadn't paid him, and Vermont, which is isn't quite Vermont yet, uh, they didn't come up with any money for him because it's obvious. Because why is he still looking for more money? He ends up, and this is where I found it in the Albany Committee of Safety minutes in seventy in 70, He actually goes to them, and Albany County agrees to pay them, which makes no sense. <laughs> So, as far as I can tell, this whole company was an independent company. And uh, he continues on at, you know, with this company. And they are part of the taking of Ticonderoga. That's, that's in this, when he applies to Albany County. He's going to be, his company is part of Ethan Allen and the guys when they go in to take Ticonderoga. But he's not part of the Green Mountain Boys. But that's not written down anywhere either. So it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of open area here, but he's independent, and that's what it comes down to. So that's how he gets his first commission and his first command, and then he eventually becomes commissioned into Second New York in June 28th, 75.
0: Talk about the letter to Congress from Crown Point.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's one of my new finds for the article. I probably have seen it, but I don't remember it. And then you know when I was searching for information on McCracken. I find this letter in Force's archives. It was written on June 10, 75. So, this is before McCracken goes into the Second New York, and he's still an independent company. He's among about 20 officers, might be 1920, I forget the exact number. Uh, and they were from the Green Mountain Boys, the Albany, New York Provincials, uh, who were Albany's representatives that went in to relieve Ticonderoga after Ethan Allen captured it, and some Connecticut troops. And they send a letter. Uh, from Crown Point to the Continental Congress, saying we've taken Ticonderoga, we've got Crown Point, but the Brits are massing 300 troops up at St. John in in Canada, right across the right across the water, right near the border, and uh, they felt that they needed a force of about 500 men. Now they don't really say it's interesting if you read the letter; they don't really say they want to defend or if they want to attack. They don't really specify it, but they're going to send, and based on this letter, they send Ethan Allen seth warner and remember baker to congress to meet in person with and, and discuss this whole matter and some of the names on these among these 20 men of course alan warner and baker uh warner becomes the de facto commander of the green mountain boys after ethan allen gets into all kinds of issues we don't have to cover now and then baker is remember baker and he is actually killed up in canada by some Indians, he he gets beheaded and he gets put on a stick. That's a whole long story. It's usually in the biography of Robert Rogers and all the other stuff about the Rangers. But he's a very famous guy. Wade Hopkins, um, who was a famous member of the Green, officer in the Green Mountain Boys, he's on that list. Wade Hopkins actually appears in my article about, um, I'm blanking on the name, of course, Uh, Evans and Bean. Uh, He is killed down on Lake George. On, a, on actually a foraging expedition to find, I think, blueberries, of all things. And then uh, Ira Allen, Ethan's brother, and they're all from the Green Mountain Boys, Hezekiah Baldwin and George White, who are from the Albany Provincials, and then Kenneth uh, Samuel Elmore. So that's just some of the names that are on this list. So these are key people in the entire uh, Montgomery portion of the Canadian expedition. And these are the guys that are out there first thing. So that's what I, that's what's neat about it. Like not so much the letter they wrote, but all the names that are on that list. So it's pretty cool. It was a neat find. So I'm I'm glad you caught it.
0: Talk about McCracken's daily responsibilities as commander. Was he successful in your opinion?
1: Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. yes. He's because I uh, kept he's a company commander. Uh, he needs to, uh, his job is getting, getting his recruiting quota accomplished, get his, get his men recruited with the help of his lieutenants. But his main job is to take that warrant that he eventually gets from the Continental Service and fill that quota of men. And he's got to have a 72-man company, including officers. That's his goal with the Second New York. So he has to get these guys. He needs to make, he has to get the payroll, get them paid. He signs the muster rolls. And that's it. That's his job. And uh, it's interesting if you look, I always love to bring things back to, for people to look at modern things. and This isn't that modern, but look at the old movie um, From Here to Eternity with Burt Lancaster, right? Burt Lancaster's the first sergeant. He's running the company. He's doing all the work. The captain. Is most of the time is never around. He's the guy that wants to run the boxing team. You know, he, so, he wants, he, so he comes and goes as he sees fit. He's not even involved, and that's the captain's job. So the first sergeant is running the company. So basically, as far as a company commander goes, he's done everything he's supposed to do. Now the other thing he's got to do, is, of course, is to command the, the company in the field. And based on the accounts that are in this story uh, that I put in a jar, some of this fighting they did was some of the most intense fighting on the entire campaign, even more so than the Quebec assault, which is basically, they they went in, they got fired on, and they, ran, they basically left. They didn't really do anything. There's more fighting in and around St. John, Montreal, and all these little raids and back and forth, little defense positions, running in the woods, getting fired on, cannon shots, everything's going off. There's more fighting there than the entire campaign. And McCracken seems to have excelled. There's Nobody says anything bad about him. They all say he was there. He was with his men. He didn't go away. So I give him high marks as a company commander. I really do. For I'm based on the 75 campaign.
0: You mentioned that it's difficult to track his movements as commander. How did you manage to do this?
1: Well, yeah, because the conventional ones would be the muster. For, for where I work on the on the company level, You want to look at a muster roll, and you want to get names off the muster roll, and you want to see if any of these guys had pension records, and go this route. I didn't have the muster roll because they have no. uh, There is one for McCracken for seventy-five at all. Uh, I have, and that's on the national archives level. I've even looked at state archives where I have found some Second York muster rolls, but I have not found anything for McCracken. It's a total blank sheet. So what you got to do is you have to keep looking around for any of his men and uh, you have to kind of find um, anything you do to find a to, to track of service. You, you have to look at all the pensioners, see if the pensioners talk about other pensioners. If you get lucky, you find a guy. <laughs> and, and you have to look at, do digital searches you get cross-references from other pensioners. Like I found John Stewart who was the first sergeant, the Bert Lancaster character. And John Stewart, I found him looking for a different John Stewart from another company. So I found McCracken's John Stewart that way. And same thing with James Henderson. I found James Henderson that way. Now a friend of mine who I've recently met through Facebook who's who helped me with a couple of these names, that's the other thing you got to network. Networking is key. You know, getting to know people, being friendly, sharing information, don't steal anything, and give everybody the right credit and you'll get massive amounts of material from other people. And I found James Henderson before my friend gave the name. I found it because of just cross-referencing other names. And And then you can start going through the pension file. It was a lot harder to do when you're cranking microfilm. You know, and you're and you're making copies and you're running you printing copies and copies and copies and copies and then you go home and you staple them all together and you write on them what they are and you try to remember and the microfilm the printout is fuzzy and stuff. With we have full three now you can just go back and check it anytime you need it. You can blow it up. You have a lot more flexibility and you don't have to drive x amount of hours. And they took it away from me anyway, so it's just as well because they closed the, my branch office I use. But, you know, that's the kind of things you have to do. Now, it's, it's just so much not written down. And then you start tracking the movements of the troops. You can't track regiments. You are tracking companies. And if you start tracking companies, you're really tracking men within companies because guys get pulled off to do things. And you're, it's and the entire campaign around Montreal and St. Jean and all the things that were going back and forth between Chambly and all – and all this stuff's going on, and it's one big melee. You know, it's just a mishmash of stuff. And I've been looking at this for years, and for the life of me, I don't understand it all. I swear to God, I barely know what I'm talking about. And I, I defy anybody to say they know what happened, because it is just so crazy. So you've got to use what you can find. Now, what's interesting about McCracken himself is – he seems, for some reason he's mentioned all the time in particularly by General Schuyler. You find his name in Force's Archives, which is how he found that letter we talked about, and he's do searches in there, you do search you look i've got my hands on some of the scholar papers, and it's wonderful stuff because he is unique that he's identified so much, and even down the road it gets even more interesting. But scholar for some I mean, for some reason McCracken uh, f- seems to be a baby of, of uh, a pet project of uh, scholar for some reason, and they see, either they knew each other, which happens. There's a lot of personal interaction. I, I've seen where a captain who is a little upset about something he writes a letter to the general. He doesn't go to the, he doesn't go to the major, he doesn't go to the colonel. <laughs> he goes right to the general, and he doesn't go to the brigadier. He goes to he goes to the major general. They don't care because there's such a close knit collection of people in. You know, upstate New York area, they seem to know everybody. So they think nothing of dropping a letter, you know. And then at the same time, you get stuff from, in this case, it didn't happen in 75. But Washington actually will get involved with individual company commanders and business on that level. With all the stuff Washington's got going on, he actually you will see him get involved with individual company-level stuff of a regiment through a general or something, but he's talking about it. It's absolutely phenomenal how detailed it gets. So this is the kind of stuff with the Continentals you have to look at, and I only do New York, so I can't really. I done some with the Jerseys in '76, but you go beyond that. How Carolina is different? They're all everybody's got their own different structures, but it's just a grind. And but it's a fun grind, but you got to keep digging. You trace your people, and if you're tracing people. That's where you find it. You go one, you'll leave it to another guy, and he'll mention, Oh, gee, I I knew Bob Schmidlap. So you go find Bob Schmidlap over here, and ooh, he did find a, he found a pension. One of the best guys I ever found for vicious company the second, I got his name in a cross reference, and he doesn't have anything to speak of, but he has one line in pension file. I was with General Montgomery when we posted the first picket guard on the Plains of Abraham. He was a he was a he was a first sergeant of vicious company. Think about that. I was with Montgomery when he posted the picket guard on the plains of Abraham. I was the first guy. That's gold. One sentence. I drove four hours round trip to get that one line, is what I ended up getting. That's what you got to (laughs) do. But anyway.
0: What interesting facts do we learn about McCracken from his men?
1: Well, from the men, well, I say I already talked about some of the men here earlier, but you're lacking uh, any kind of. You, you, you don't have intuitive correspondence. You don't have diaries, and uh, you, you don't have private letters or anything else. The men don't really talk much about McCrack- that kind of internal. Gee, the, the captain, the, the captain's all messed up today. He screwed. You don't get that kind of detail. Basically, when the pension files, you say we went here, here, here. Who, what, when, where, and why? A little why, not so much why. Mostly who, what, when. We went here. We went here. And I went in the Army and I I discharged and I went home. Uh, Henderson's story is rare because you don't get any motivations, but you really get a more detailed stuff. We went here, stayed two days, went here, uh, joined up with this group. We went here for five days, doubled back and we went here. This is an an extremely detailed pension application for a 75 period. And that's rare. Most of them, you don't even get that. So it's very difficult to get the intuitive stuff that these guys offer about your commander. But you do get some, besides, but you do get other stories. You get like James Dole, who was, we did, I did a whole uh, article in the jar on him. But he was started out as on the NCO level. And he describes how he and his, about eight of his compatriots, what they did when their list ran out and how they got, how, where they went and what they did. And the whole process actually confirms all the stuff I've read in some of the orders. This is what they did. And he puts that all in the pension file. So that's cool. That's great. Uh, and, uh, then James Moore, who was a new find for me, uh, from a friend, Justin Clements, who was the guy who helped me with a couple of these names. Uh, James Moore, uh, and he writes for the JAR too. Uh, James Moore uh, noted the circumstances that forced General Montgomery to call for McCracken's company to be disbanded.
0: Why was McCracken's company disbanded?
1: Yes, we do. Um, well, after the taking of to Montreal on November 15, 1775, the New York troops were reorganized. Most people don't know this. They took the whole line and they said, okay, everybody that's up here, if you stay six more months... So I e to about April, May depends. The enlistments everybody's got a different enlistment. Some are, some enlisted in May, some enlisted in June, some didn't get until July. So that timeline varies to individual soldiers. But basically if you extend your enlistments from this point for six months, you will get winter clothing. You know, brand new clothing, but it's all going to be winterized. It's going to be capotes, mittens, you know, wool hats, you know, the, the whole bit. So you'll be you'll be able to be warm, but you got to stay here in the winter in Canada until spring. And most of the Yorkers did that. Those that didn't could finish out their enlistment and go home, but you're going to go home in the clothes you came with, <laughs> and you had to make and then you had to get home. You know, you got to go from. You're, out, you're in Montreal or you're over in Quebec or you're somewhere else, and then you got to you got to be feet when they get to Quebec. you got get to get get home from there. But at this time, they're still at Montreal, so they basically all buy in. Because Montreal, things are still pretty good. It's still, it's November. It's cold, but it's not that cold. So they suck them in, and they, most of them say. Now, McCracken's company had been very active, and you will see that reading Henderson and some of the other stuff. These guys were in a lot of firefights, a lot of movement. They were they were running around quite a bit. They would do stuff with the Green Mountain boys, and they would go over here and be back here and back and forth. So they were sexually worn out, and this is what Moore mentions. He, he says that uh, General Montgomery told them, all right, everybody's in McCracken's company. You're not re-upping. You're done. You get to go home at the end of your tour. So this is, this is what they did. They didn't stick it out. Now, uh, some of them, like Dole, goes on to a provisional regiment set up by the Connecticut, by the colony of Connecticut, taken over by General Wooster, who was up there with his first Canadian. I mean, first—that's the first Canadian. What am I saying? First Connecticut. He takes over and starts this new regiment in Canada for anybody, because the Canadians, the Canadians. There you go again. The the Connecticut, Connecticut people, they get to. uh, Their list was up at the end of the year, so they put together this okay, this little regiment. Okay, everybody can come in here. Anybody who wants to stay can join up and join this regiment. And they picked up some New Yorkers, too. In fact, they picked up a whole company of the 2nd New York. But Dole brings about eight guys in, and they go into this provisional regiment. Others start, the rest of the guys start of out of McCrackett's company that are going to stay, are playing free agents, like sports guys. They get out, okay, your contract's up. Who wants to sign you up and take you? you know, So they start jumping around. So they, some of them go into other companies. And the rest basically go home. And uh, that's kind of what they do. McCracken, of course, is... Uh, he ends up getting reengaged. It's not reenlisted. They seem to use it for officers. They say reengaged. So McCracken gets reengaged in November 20th. Basically five days after this agreement was signed uh, to realize the army he gets, he's going to be assigned to a new regiment. They don't, na- they don't know what it is. They don't know who's going to be the colonel. They don't know what the name of the regiment is, but he's reengaged to take command of a new company. And then McCracken falls off the stage for 75.
0: How does this story help us to understand the Revolutionary Era better?
1: Oh, it's so many histories articles, monographs, you know, books three, relate to the story of the American Revolution from a point of view of generals, politicians, even um, There, This is all very valuable stuff, and I don't discount it at all. But few tell the story of the common soldier. These kind of narratives written from this level talk about and, and McCracken was a company commander, but you start going company, captain, lieutenants, ensigns, sergeants, privates, you're getting the stories of the soldiers that did the actual fighting. And in my opinion, there's nothing more important than that because you're down at the grassroots of what these guys are doing. And, I think this, I think deep down all goes back to my interest as a member of, of doing living history. And I was, a, I've been a member of the Brigade of the American Revolution, whose motto is the life and times of the common soldier of the American Revolution. It's ingrained in me, I guess. So this is the research that I do. It's it kind of all tied together. This is what drives me, to, that I learn. And it kind of all fits together. And several of your drawers authors all around all all members of the brigade too so i'm sure that picks up some of their storytelling as well it's just major it's major important um, that's why it's important
0: for everybody else i hope phil weaver thanks again you're welcome anytime the music played in this episode included works by kevin mcleod and the Sturbridge colonial militia